beautiful soul family. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Hello, beautiful soul family, and welcome to the Walk On Podcast, the podcast where I try to demystify spirituality, personal growth and healing, and whatever else I feel like talking about. I'm your host, Britt Cannon, and this week's episode is called Mindful Communication. Last week, I did an episode on conscious coupling, and the week before, I did an episode on the healing power of consent. So as per usual, <laughs> one, you know, like one episode tends to lead to another. Of course, there's always episodes that don't lead anywhere <laughs> that are just kind of like their own rock slash island, but <laughs> sometimes they do kind of link together. And that's because when I talk about one topic, I start to like conspiracy theory board behind me, connect the dots and like realize that there's an aspect of that conversation that leads to another conversation that could like more thoroughly explain like there's just usually a connected topic that I'd like to dive even deeper into and with consent I talked a lot about the vulnerability necessary in indirectly communicating your wants and needs and your boundaries and how we're like vehemently out of alignment with that <laughs> like we just don't like it we don't like to hear other people's truths we keep our own truths locked up tight so that no one will ever find them and then we just expect each other to read each other's minds or if someone does communicate truthfully with us sometimes people have the tendency to not believe them you know to just like shut it down and tell themselves a different story and with conscious coupling and that idea of choice, you know, obviously consent is choice and choice is consent. And in choosing our partners, our friends, our work relationships, there is an aspect of consent there, you know, choosing who you participate in relationship with, choosing who you let to let in to know you deeper, choosing who you trust with the tenderest parts of yourself. And how in my previous life, I kind of walked around just like wide open, like heart, just trusted everyone, just loved everyone right off the bat, <laughs> didn't have any discernment, didn't have any boundaries. And you know, I saw a tweet the other day, I, Twitter is a very interesting place and I cannot go on there every day because there are such bad takes <laughs> in such bad faith that sometimes it really hurts my feelings. I'm just like a little too sensitive for Twitter, I think, um, on, on many days. And it's not even my followers. Like I really, or like the people I follow, I don't have that many followers, <laughs> the people I follow. It's people, it's like tweets they like, or like, you know, you'll, you'll see stuff that's not directly on your feed. And, um, and it was like, you know, someone will be like, I'm a people pleaser. And then you'll, you know, you'll be like, but no one's pleased. Like no one seems very pleased. And I think that's a misunderstanding of like what people pleasing is like people pleasing is, uh, ignoring your own boundaries in order to, adhere or meet the expectations of others. It's like, it's like Libra syndrome where like a lot of Libras won't even know what they like or don't like because they're so busy, like catering to the wants and needs and desires of others that they never stop to think about what it is they want. Like keeping the peace and keeping everyone pleased and being seen in a positive light is more important than authenticity. And really what that does is it it becomes a defense mechanism so that no one really knows you. Because as I said in my last episode, like you can, you can use taking care of others or people pleasing or being perfect or whatever as a defense mechanism so that you never have to let your guard down and you never have to be vulnerable. There are many ways to avoid vulnerability and that is one of them. And that is one of them that I think is harder to overcome in some way it's like more covert than just being a fucking asshole or like just being super avoidant because those people kind of tend to know that they have that issue whereas people pleasers or chronic caretakers 
think they're doing the right thing. And that's what that post was getting at, which is that like, you know, people tout or like refer to themselves as people pleasers with like a, a kind of pride and a kind of like, look what a good person I am when really, <laughs> really, I mean, this is like all over my chart because I have so much Libra where like you don't realize the chaos you cause by not being authentic. You don't realize that I, one time I, this was like really bad. It was when I was doing the beginning of polyamory, like my first forays into trying to date multiple people. And I was in one relationship that had been going on for like five years. I was in another relationship that had been going on for a couple months. And I was in another relationship that had just started. And then I was like being pressured by that relationship to enter into another relationship. So was, and like so many people were sort of like coming after me or sniffing around me because, you know, I was a unicorn. So but I couldn't bring myself to like tell people, you know, to be like, I like you, but I don't like your girlfriend. I would, I'm okay with dating you, but I don't really want to date your girlfriend. And I, I know that's what you want. And, but it's not what I want. And I know it's what she wants, but it's not what I want. And like, so, you know, that's the facts. Like if we can move on from there, if you don't like me back, that's fine. Or if that's like the stipulation that, uh, is, you know, that's what the, our dating each other is contingent on is either I date both of you or I don't date either of you, (laughs) then that's fine. I couldn't bring myself to say that. So I would just like kind of flow along with it. And I couldn't, I don't know. I just was kind of like so afraid to tell everyone how I actually felt. And it just was so out of practice that I ended up sort of just creating this world in which everyone was mad at me because no, it felt like I was lying or it felt like I wasn't being truthful. And, and I was, you know, like I wasn't being truthful. I was kind of lying, but not from any malicious place, just from a place of like, I had never before in my life not, how do I want to say it? I had never in my life before been challenged on my unhealthy um, impulse to hide my own feelings and desires in favor of someone else. Like that was the first time in my whole life that it was really necessary for me to clearly, mindfully communicate even the harsh or uncomfortable truths that I was feeling And instead I did my old habit, (laughs) which polyamory doesn't work with. If you're, if you're people pleasing to like six people at once, you're going to have a nervous breakdown. And I did. (laughs) And also like, I just was so used to ignoring my needs and boundaries and like my comfort level that when someone was crossing them, when multiple people were crossing them at once in a very intimate way, I didn't know what to do. Like it was too, this is where the universe really came, came through for me and, and caused a tower moment, which made my life drastically better was that I was forced by such extreme discomfort in that moment to have to reconcile my bad habits and like realize what a mess I'd made of things and realize I so wasn't ready for what I was asking myself to do and realize how much hurt I was causing in the process. And goddamn, if it didn't get me right into therapy to figure it out. And I remember my first therapy session, I've mentioned this before. She was like, what are you here for? And I was like, I don't know how to say no. And I really need to learn how. (laughs) And that's where we started from. That was the seed, the mustard seed. (laughs) That was the, you know, the beginning, the core of my whole healing journey, as far as like, um, soliciting outside help and, and really trying to do it from like a mental health standpoint and not just a spiritual standpoint, although they're connected, but that was where like, I was like, I cannot do this on my own. And I'm so far gone, such a people pleaser and not in a way that makes me a martyr or a good person in a way that is like, I am inadvertently causing chaos and destruction everywhere I go. (laughs) So I guess I was going to start off uh, a little bit talking shit about that tweet, but it turns out to be very, (laughs) very accurate. Um, It's just that like people pleasers, 
it sounds like it's a good thing in some ways. Like it sounds like it's like, oh, I'm I'm so perfect. I please everyone. I go, you know, I spend time with blah, blah, blah. But it's not. It's a really bad habit. And it, you know, everyone is not pleased usually. <laughs> uh, because you do get caught in traps of like, um, they seem like lies, but I think that lying is a little bit more conscious than that like when someone is just lying when you're unconsciously telling people what they want to hear to please them and then trying to like fix yourself to be what they expect you to be and some and there are people who are perfectly content to let you do that you know you attract people who are who are like yes bend over backwards for me yes change yourself to fit my desires yes be everything I want you to be like be a projection of what I want and nothing else. But inevitably, that's what causes the problems because you are not just that. You are a real person. You are a flawed person. You do need help sometimes. You do have needs. And that's when things get a little uh, tense. And like, that's when the conflict happens. And if you're, you know, I used to just like, I would, it would take me so long to like get my thoughts together. It would take me days sometimes to like, or weeks or months to figure out how I even felt in order to communicate. So I was just like way, way far away from this place of mindful communication that I'm going to get into now that we're 12 minutes into the podcast. That's just a background for you. I just want to say that like everything I talk about in this podcast you know, I, I know that giving advice or like, or coaching people or mentoring or whatever, it's sometimes when you like posture, when you present yourself to the world as that, it's like when you know you're pretty and people are like, I can't wait to tear you down. How dare you think you're pretty? How dare you have confidence? I can't wait to say something that knocks you off that pedestal. There's this just like, you know, this confidence elicits a kind of like jealousy in people that makes them want to disprove you. And it's the same thing when you present yourself as like a teacher or a leader or a way shower or a healer or whatever. Um, I just like to think that my only purpose here is to take the things that I have struggled with and put them in a concise and easy to understand way so that maybe other people don't have to crawl through you know, glass like I did (laughs) in order to learn these lessons. And like, that's, I don't mean to like, I don't think I know everything. I don't think I'm perfect. I am very flawed. I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. I have hurt people in non, you know, non-intentional ways, but the pain is pain, you know, like I've lost friendships. I've lost businesses. I've, uh, I have just, I've lost my way. I spent a lot of years very suicidal. I've dealt with eating disorders. Like I have struggled with addiction. Like everything I talk about are hard earned lessons. Like these are not things that have always come easy to me. In fact, these are lessons that I've had to learn through a lot of suffering and a lot of struggle and a lot of like repeating patterns, you know, where I just, I, it takes me so long to learn a lesson And I do learn them. You know, I do do the work. Once I realize I'm making a mistake, I correct it. But sometimes it takes me a while to realize where the mistake is and how to correct it. And this mindful communication thing is one of my worst, like one of my hardest. I still struggle with it at times, not in some of the ways I'm going to talk about today, but in in the ways that, you know... (laughs) If I'm upset, I I still have to talk myself out of just defaulting to taking care of the other person I'm having a conflict with or uh, or stuffing my feelings down. I'm not reactionary, so I have a tendency to not address things in the moment, which makes it even tougher because uh, you know, it will, it will seem as if I'm, I'm revisiting something that doesn't, that's already been quote unquote solved, (laughs) but it hasn't. Like I didn't get to speak my piece because it takes me a long time to get myself together in order to communicate. I usually have to write it out 
and edit it and rehearse it in the shower. It ta- if and that's even if it if I can like figure it out relatively quickly, but almost always, especially if the person is like aggressive or angry or gets frustrated with me for like needing to go slow if they if someone's super defensive and like keeps shutting me down or interrupting me when I'm trying to speak like it all of these things get in the way and it just causes me to shut down and because of like this selective mutism that I have struggled with (laughs) my whole life that is I think both a symptom of trauma and autism so it's just this double whammy of of a thing that causes me to need to find comfort in my own silence. I don't really have autistic meltdowns that often, although I do <laughs> occasionally, usually when I'm alone though. But I I have frequent shutdowns where like I just and, and my words are the first thing to go. So it has been a struggle for me in intimate relationships, especially with you know, more challenging or like high conflict sort of people because they really, really caused me to shut down. I had this boss one time who was so nasty and so mean that every time I tried to speak to her, I would stutter. Like I, I, I rarely stutter, even though I just did, (laughs) but I mean bad. Like I couldn't make my voice and my mouth like make words to speak to this woman because she scared me and triggered me so bad so this is a really tough a tough one for me and so the tools that I'm sharing with you today and just the things to keep in mind are coming from a place of like humility and like these I really needed help with this like I really needed to slow down take a step back get to know myself and figure this stuff out in order to have long-term happy relationships where everyone's needs were getting met and when I say that I am that I struggle with people pleasing and that I'm a recovering people pleaser that's not from a point of pride it wasn't a good thing it wasn't a good thing for anyone involved even the people I was supposedly pleasing were in the long run hurt by my refusal to be honest and vulnerable and it's because anytime in childhood when I was honest and vulnerable I was punished or rejected or abandoned and so I learned very quickly (laughs) that the truth would get you in trouble and that what protected you was pretending that everything was all right being perfect being silent being submissive and just trying to like yeah, like avoid, you know, with a, with a parent that has a really bad temper, especially an alcoholic one, your best bet is being invisible, like staying out of sight. If you get hit, if you cross into the radar of that parent, like you're in trouble. So it's best just to like be quiet, be silent, be submissive, be hidden and, you know, not ruffle any feathers, like do everything to the best of your ability because, you know, you never know what's going to send that person into a rage (laughs) that's going to leave you with, you know, marks and bruises and, uh, and, you know, the kind of scars that only words can leave. So, Uh, speaking of (laughs) my very first tip for like mindful communication is do not in a conflict, do not ever say the meanest thing that pops into your head. That is not okay. That is verbal abuse. You should not even keep a catalog of the meanest thing you could think to say to or about someone in your brain. Like I know people that do this. It's normalized for people to do this, to sort of like pick up the weaknesses, the things that would really hurt the people they love just in case they need to use it in an argument. And that is despicable. Like that is not okay. I understand why people do it. It's because you feel like you need to be on the defensive. It's because we assume that everyone's going to be that way, that everyone has that like forked tongue, you know, like harsh wordage, um, like habit. We think that that's how conflict works. That's how we're shown conflict works. The amount of like TV shows I've seen where that's just 
a part of the relationship is like, it's super normal when you're in a fight to say the meanest thing you could possibly think of, but it's not, it's not normal. It's not healthy. And you should have a higher baseline of respect for the people that you love. You can have conflict without abuse. Like you can have, um, you can have like real intense, passionate fights without name calling, without insulting and without trying to hurt the other person. I am often caught off guard when someone enters into a conflict with me like that. Like they're just guns blazing, ready to hurt me. That's a good way to get cut the fuck off, honestly, (laughs) for me. Like I don't put up with it. I don't like it. I don't do it. I won't do it. And it's been really tough um, navigating relationships that are like that because you know that like when you're a kid, you say sticks and stones may break, break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I, I think it's the opposite almost. It's like sticks and stones will break my bones, but words last forever. Like when you say the meanest thing you could possibly think to someone in an argument to win. And as I talked about in, uh, in several episodes, in the conscious coupling episode, in the what a healthy relationship episode, um, looks like episode, (laughs) uh, it should, when you're in a conflict with someone, it should be the two of you against the problem. It shouldn't be the two of you against each other because you're trying to win. Like there is no winner in those situations. If you mean by winning, you mean, I want to drive this person away from me. I want to destroy any trust between us or any intimacy then sure you won. But if you really want to like make the relationship work and hold on to that person and like love them as good as you possibly can, which I think if you're in a relationship, that should be the goal. Then you're not versus you're a team versus the issue and you're supposed to work together to solve it. So think like, To go into a relationship conflict armed to the teeth, like ready, like if they say this, this is what I'm going to do. If they say that, this is what I'm going to do. And here's the long list of things that I know they're very insecure about. It's just like you're, you're already not in the right headspace. Um, you're already like not going about this in a healthy way. If you're someone who really does fight that way, I, I would challenge you to consider a different way of going about things. I would, I would challenge you to disarm, you know, put down the weapons and ask yourself what, what is triggering you to the point that makes you want to be defensive by being on the offensive? Like, what are you so scared of? do you really like your partner? Like, do you really want to keep them around? Are you really, um, capable of the intimacy it takes to have a partnership or are you like too closed off or too scared (laughs) of being really seen? And you know, that's, it's okay to admit that it's okay to be scared. Like it's scary. It's fucking scary to love. It's scary to be loved. It's scary to be seen. It's scary to feel like you're going to lose someone, but like (laughs) being unkind is the quickest way to get, to push someone out the door. And I know a lot of people who do this, who like, guns blazing, you know, think of the worst thing they could possibly say to the person. And then when they leave, they're like, ah, how dare you? (laughs) You're supposed to stay here and go a hundred rounds with me hurting each other, you know, with our acid tongues, just like pouring salt in the wounds of our words and (laughs) torturing each other. Like that's what we're supposed to do. We're just supposed to keep doing that. And that's not how it works. Like anyone with good boundaries, anyone with self-respect And anyone who understands how powerful words are will not put up with that. And so it's something to work on. It's not, if you win every argument, you know, if you win every conflict you're ever in because you just make the person cry or cause them to shut down or you're, cause you're the meanest person in the room, like that is not a positive character trait to have. And you should really, really rethink those tactics Because when you 
attack someone's insecurities and vulnerabilities. You become a a track in their self-abusive self-talk. Like you become a track on the cassette tape or the record um, in their mind that plays the you know, the negative self-image that has been building since childhood. Like you become the voice in their head that's like, you're too much or you're a piece of shit or, you know, I can't, you're untrustworthy or (laughs) you're not enough or, you know, just like you're an asshole, (laughs) just like whatever the, you're deeply flawed and no one's ever going to love you. Like I had a, I had a partner This is my very first long-term boyfriend. And when we were breaking up, even though I was so sweet to him, I did occasionally have issues with monogamy. I didn't cheat, but I did like develop little crushes on other people. And so did he. Um, I just didn't give him as hard a time about it as he gave me. But as we were breaking up, he told me that I was incapable of love. And for the next like handful of relationships I had, I carried that with me as if it was true. You know, it was the, it was my first relationship. It was my, it was the feedback I got on the way out of my first relationship. And, and it felt, you know, if he said it, it must've been true. Meanwhile, the whole time we're breaking up, he's throwing these insults at me. He's being so mean and I'm just taking it. And even though I was so young, I was like 19 and I like, I could, but I don't know. I could have been harsher. I could have fought back, but I just took it because I'm not a reactionary person and because I understood that he was hurting. And I was just like, I understand you're hurting. I know this is a bummer, but like, I think this is the right choice. And he's just like, here's all the things that you're worried about and it's all true. And (laughs) you know, but it stuck with me and that's what you're doing. You're like psychologically damaging someone who you claim to love by saying the meanest thing you can possibly think of in an argument. And it's just not fucking cool. It's something that needs to be worked on. And if you can work on it, if you can hold your tongue, if you can find a kinder, more respectful way to communicate, it will give way to profound vulnerability, which leads to intimacy, which leads to closer relationships. If someone is afraid of you, if someone is afraid of what you're going to say to them, they hide themselves and they, it just builds a wall between you that totally sabotages any kind of intimacy that would deepen the relationship that would allow the relationship to grow. You know, in the last week's, in last week's episode, I was talking about how I used to be so afraid of falling out of love. Like if it was just as if it was just this mystical thing that like just randomly happened to relationships. But even when a breakup felt sudden, looking back, it actually wasn't as sudden as it felt. Like it was more of a slow burn (laughs) thing that had been, you know, a rift that had been widening for some time. And it's because in these conflict moments, it's because in these, you know, moments that can bring you closer together, going through things can bring you closer together, having conflict and figuring it out, navigating it together, you know, solving problems. It's just like in our individual journeys, like you go through life, you experience contrast, you deal with the contrast, you figure out how to navigate the problem. You learn about a lot about yourself. You become stronger, you become more mature, you become more agile as you move through life and then you move on and then you encounter another problem and you go through it again. Like every issue doesn't mean that like you're a failure and and you need to stop and like you should just give up or whatever. No, it's just like an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to grow, uh, an opportunity to know yourself on a deeper level, level and relationships are the same. Loving someone else, looking in the mirror of their soul, <laughs> of yourself, it brings up all kinds of wounds. It's scary. It uh, triggers you to really love someone and trust someone and get used to someone's presence in your life is um, is like ripe ground for triggering for childhood wounds. It just is the truth of the situation. But being truly loved and feeling the feelings of safety that a good, 
loving relationship can bring or friendship or anything like that. Like if (laughs) feeling safe and valued and loved and supported and like you can be authentic and you can have boundaries at work is deeply healing. Like anywhere you can experience acceptance and community and support and unconditional positive regard heals the inner child like you wouldn't believe. Like there are some some parts of our wounds that we cannot heal on our own, that we need community care and support and the mirror of another in order to heal. So it's not just romantic relationships. It's all relationships. I mean, some of the meanest, most toxic relationships I've been in have been, have been platonic ones with friends. And, but the, the idea of mindful communication is still relevant because like you should still be able to talk about issues you have. You should still be able to bring things up. You should still be able to say, you know, when you do this, it makes me feel like that, which is another tactic that I will get to after this little bitty ad break. (laughs) See you in a minute. Bye. Brought to you by the haunted mind of Brit Cannon. A walk-on production. Flight of the Final Girl. A journey through the nightmare of generational trauma and into the sunrise of survival. Run. Don't walk. It's Flight of the Final Girl. Welcome back. Um, So mindful communication, I statements. (laughs) I statements are huge. I feel statements. We, I think sometimes the like defensiveness of, well, you is is exactly that. It's just a defense mechanism in order to not have to take ownership for one's feelings. You know, jealousy in relationships, when we think of jealousy as a we problem or a you problem instead of a me problem, it's like, you know, um, you are hanging out with a friend that I know in the past you've had sex with and that's making me feel jealous. So you are making me jealous. And that's not it. That's, that's not the right way to deal with it. Your feelings of jealousy are your own. You could say, Hey, I'm feeling a little insecure that you're going to hang out with this friend that I know you slept with before. And I would just like some reassurance before you go. Like, I just need to know that if something were going to happen, you would tell me first, or I just need to know that like, you're being honest with me or, you know, whatever, just asking for what you want, but that is so much more vulnerable. It takes so much more self-awareness and taking responsibility than saying you are making me jealous and I want you not to do this thing so that I can be more comfortable. It's just inherently more toxic to go about life that way. I recently had a conflict with someone and this was a really painful situation because it's like a very long-term friendship and one that has been extremely codependent and I worked really hard to to kind of transform it into something healthier. Spent a lot of years investing in it and it just wasn't changing. And I was getting more and more frustrated with like, why isn't this getting better? Like, how come I can't transmute this? How come I can't like establish healthy boundaries. You know, I just, I couldn't, sometimes you love someone so much and you really want it to work so much that you, uh, you can't see the truth. Like (laughs) it's that, um, red flags look like regular flags when you're wearing rose colored glasses sort of deal. That's a Bojack Horseman quote for anyone who, who's seen the show. I love it. It's a beautiful study on addiction and trauma and fame and all kinds of stuff. But, um, so I was, 
I decided, you know, if this, I'm, I've got some distance from this relationship and I, I really want it to continue, but I need to like get out my words. I need to just like lay it all out on the line, be really vulnerable, explain how this person's behavior hurt me because I never had before. And I'd always just stuffed it down because old habits die hard. Like I said, this is a thing that I continuously struggle with and I feel might always be a struggle for me because I just, I, I still struggle with feeling like entitled to my own feelings and I still struggle with codependency to some degree and I don't want to hurt people. I want people to feel loved and I want to be compassionate and I, I just like don't want to, I, people tell me such intimate details of their life and like their feelings. People are very vulnerable with me. And I think that is beautiful and it has been such a gift in my life. And I love that I make people feel comfortable enough to do that. It's the biggest blessing, but it also means that because people tell me these things and because I am a pattern seer, like I just, it's my autism brain. It just sees patterns very easily. I, I begin to understand the inner workings of people and I, I can very clearly see the pain that is causing the behavior. And sometimes I'm a little too tuned in to compassion for that. And I explain away the behavior because I know the root of them. And I forget that like, we are our actions. So if the person themselves doesn't acknowledge the pain and doesn't acknowledge the harm in the behavior, then it's, it doesn't really matter if I can understand it or not. Like they're hurting me. And that is the only information I really need. (laughs) That's where I need to operate from. But it's really hard for me to like do that sometimes. Uh, it takes me a long time. And so I was like, okay, I figured out this relationship is unhealthy. So I am going to, I wanted to continue. So I'm going to write out a thing and bring it to this person. And it's all going to be like, when you do this, you know, when you're super passive aggressive, when you slam things around, when you condescend to me, when you, shut down any, you know, when you don't support me, when you are not proud of me, blah, blah, blah. It makes me feel like this. It makes me feel unloved. It makes me feel rejected. It makes me feel unappreciated. And just that, that's the way that you should word, you know, you take responsibility for your own (laughs) feelings, but you also address the person's behavior. So that's, you know, that's it. It doesn't have to be any messier than that. It can be like, you know, when you act angry, (laughs) when I don't do what you want me to do, that makes me feel scared. Um, or that makes me feel like I have to be perfect. Like it feels too much pressure or, you know, you feel fill in the blank. When I try to have quality time with you, and you won't put your down put down your phone that makes me feel like you don't value quality time you know just really simple things and there's it's like twofold uh twofoldedly effective <laughs> As in one way you are taking responsibility for your own emotions which feels very good it's it it tunes in or taps into the vulnerability which can give way to intimacy you're letting the person into your heart you aren't blaming you know you're just saying maybe your perception is wrong like maybe maybe the person doesn't intend to make you feel that way maybe they're totally unaware so instead of pointing the finger and being like you did this and you did this and you're purposefully ignoring me or you're doing this and it blah, 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 you know, just like you, 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 you. Instead, you're like me, like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what it makes me feel like. This is what's coming up for me. And I want to talk about it. (laughs) And on the other hand, if you're pointing the finger and blaming and just telling someone off, what's, you know, when you go on the attack for someone, what is their impulse going to be? It's going to be to throw up their wall and become defensive. And then it becomes a versus 
situation, you versus me, you know, you're attacking me, I'm defending myself instead of the two of you against the problem, which may be a totally unconscious thing. When I have conversations with people about this kind of thing, you know, this feeling comes up of like, oh shit, that's actually really simple. And maybe (laughs) my past relationships wouldn't have fallen apart so explosively if I had known this. And I feel that too. You know, I feel like everything that ended in my life was supposed to end. But if, if these kinds of conversations were possible, if mindful communication was possible, uh, they could have transitioned and they could have, um, evolved. Like it wouldn't have had to have resulted in such drastic distance if I could have, you know, if I could have done my part and carried my weight too. But I brought that all my my beautifully written out <laughs> explanation of what I had been feeling and kind of like what I would need for the relationship to continue. And I didn't get out three words before it was just like, well, you blah, 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 and you blah, blah, blah. And just pushing all of my deepest insecurity buttons. And I'm just sitting there like stunned, totally stunned. Because I, like, first of all, I spent a long time writing this out. I hemmed and hawed. I edited. I read it to my partner. I was like, help me with this. Ah." (laughs) I was so nervous. I had to work up the courage to even, like, broach the subject and then to just to be shut down like that. And I was like, wow. Like, I didn't even get to say, I want to continue this relationship and but if I do, this is how I need it to be. I didn't even get to get there. So, like, it was like, this person isn't interested in continuing this relationship with me. This person isn't interested in develop things in, developing things into a healthier dynamic. This person just wants to preserve their ego and just wants to uh, be right, you know? And so I had to let it go and it was painful, but it, you know, in the end it did bring me a lot of peace because it's like, well, I did everything I could. And that is the toughest part. Like I explained with consent and with conscious coupling, like you raise your vibration and people vibrate away. And you, when you start moving in a way that is more conscious or more mindful, the people who can't meet you where you are, you know, it just, they might drift away. It might become a more like casual relationship or a more distant, you know, sort of acquaintance relationship instead of a close one, or they might fully drift away. Once you realize that you don't trust someone, you know, that you don't want to open up to someone. I've had friendships where, you know, we were super intimate. Like we knew everything about each other. We were around each other all the time. Like they knew the ins and outs of me. I knew the ins and outs of them. And then something would happen. Usually that I would realize that they were (laughs) kind of bullying me a little bit. (laughs) And I would start keeping parts of myself to myself. I would back away. I would close off. I would distance myself. And then one day I would realize like, I actually don't want this person to know anything about me because I don't trust that they won't use it as fuel to gossip about me or use it to make fun of me or, you know, belittle anything I feel good about or get in the way of my other relationships or any kind of growth opportunities. And then once I realized that like, oh, I'm actually withholding myself or like locking myself up so that I don't, so that this person doesn't get to know me, then what's even the point of the relationship anymore? You know, like maybe I shouldn't be participating in it. And that is a tough consequence of, of raising your vibration of moving through the world more mindfully is that it does lead to some goodbyes. You know, there are some endings that happen and there's definitely some backlash you receive. One of my like most perplexing responses I get when I am, when I, since I have started like working on myself and, and trying to like become (laughs) the best version of myself is like, what, you think you're better than me? It's just like, no, literally, no, I don't. (laughs) I'm just like trying to be healthy. Like it has nothing to do with you. It's just me and my journey. And like really, you know, in my past, when I, when I was super unhealthy and I would encounter someone who was really healthy, who had good boundaries, who like, 
you know, knew how to move through the world and deal with conflict, who wasn't afraid, who like wasn't prone to all these toxic situations, who would like, you know, say things like, you know, if you don't like or trust that person, maybe you shouldn't hang out with them. Like just would be very clear headed. I was in awe. I was like, holy fucking shit, dude. What power, you know, like what maturity. I wasn't offended by it. It didn't make me want to like, you know, belittle the person or, or gaslight them or tell them they're doing something wrong. I was like, how do you get there? Like, teach me your ways. (laughs) But I understand that everyone's on a different path and on a different level. And like some people, their defensiveness is, is all they feel like they have. And I guess like, as you go about your life, um, as you start to focus on more mindful communication, remember that the most defensive people, the most, uh, offensive (laughs) offensive with the defense defensive with the offense people like the people who are really harsh who are really mean who are really reactionary um they're coming from a place of deep insecurity and deep fear fear and while that is none of your fucking business while it has nothing to do with like you it's not your responsibility to uh, forgive them over and over or to keep allowing them into your space if they prove to be a destructive force it is nice to keep in mind like we are our actions if someone is mistreating you if you're coming out of conversation from a place of like mindfulness and compassion and respect and the other person isn't like that's all you need to know but as you move through your life instead of holding on to resentment or um or I don't know I just think it's like I've talked about this before, but the more distance I have from people who've hurt me, the more I can embrace the totality of them. The more I can see where their unhealthy behavior comes from, the more I can see the ways that the hurt they caused me was caused by hurt within themselves. And I a forgiveness blooms that would not happen if I had kept them in my life. And when I feel that forgiveness, when I feel that love and appreciation for them, it feels good. It feels like I am releasing a wound. It feels like I am freeing myself from a story I made up about the failure of that relationship or a story that they made up about me and told me and implanted into my head into that ego cassette tape I was talking about earlier (laughs) and I can just know the divinity of them and and really experience all of them you know remember the parts I loved about them without feeling the need to enter back into the relationship like there's just a a balance that blooms when you let someone go but you understand where where they were coming from um, because they can no longer hurt you. It's, I, it's impossible to forgive someone who is currently hurting you. And I don't know how forgiveness became so twisted in our society, other than the fact that, you know, there are people in power who stand to gain from people they are oppressing, perpetually forgiving them and not holding them accountable. In order to forgive someone in a way that maintains a relationship, there has to be changed behavior. There has to be responsibility taking. If you'd like to hear more about that, I have an episode called Forgiveness uh, in the beginning of my podcast somewhere. (laughs) I think it's maybe episode four or something. Go check it out if you're interested in that. Um, So... Mindful communication is about taking responsibility for your own emotions, um, communicating them in a way that shows that you're taking responsibility for them, accessing your vulnerability, being clear, like having clarity about how you feel about what is actually going on, and then listening, being open to the other person's emotions that hopefully they're taking responsibility for their experience, their perceptions of the situation, and then piecing together the full story with everybody's sides and moving forward in a way that feels like a solution, you know? So like, um, like (laughs) I'm, 
you know, I'm feeling taken advantage of in this way. And this is what I would need to not feel that. And then the other person being like, well, I'm feeling taken advantage of. I see that. I hear you, you know, acknowledge the other person's emotions. And I'm feeling this way. So like, what is the root of our problem? Sometimes it's just that like, like my partner and I go through this thing all the time where like she gets triggered (laughs) because of something like it can usually, it can be something like not even having to do with us that just like ramps her anxiety up and then, and then it's just spilling over everywhere. And then because she's anxious, then I start to get anxious and then we're both insecure and we just kind of spiral together. But then we always like take a deep breath and just like actually say what we're feeling just in, in a sentence, you know, it doesn't have to be a long explanation. We're just like, hold on a second. I think this is what's happening. And then once we realize what's happening, then we just like work through it. And it becomes like, it's just like a moment of tension and, and like fogginess. And then we just spit it out (laughs) We mindfully communicate what we feel is actually happening. And then we start together solving the problem, you know, and then we get to the root of our feelings and we can talk about them. And it's amazing to me the amount of times that like, and you know, I've done this in my own, um, on my own journey and my own path. Like, you know, I, I will feel super anxious and like, really irritable and, and sort of closed off. And I'm just having like a really bad day. And then I'll be writing in my journal and I'll be like, I'm feeling this. And then inevitably I'm like, which reminds me of this, which reminds me of this thing. And then we're back to the conspiracy theory board with all the red yarn (laughs) connecting all the points of trauma. And the same thing happens in relationship with my partner as we like navigate conflict or just like the harshness of life (laughs) and the struggles of capitalism and like both of us having like kind of traumatic backgrounds everyone has traumatic backgrounds bt dubs like that's just the way of being alive and so we'll be talking about one thing and then both of us will be reminded of other things which are fueling our fears because it's like that's what I'm used to and then you you get to tell each other you know the ways that you've been hurt in the past and then that informs one another about how to more properly more lovingly and more softly take care of one another so it leads to a deeper understanding and I think that's like incredible every time we have a conflict and it brings us closer together after I'm like wow (laughs) that's how it's motherfucking done you know (laughs) what a surprise what a treat and and that's really the beauty of mindful communication and that's really why it's worth doing and worth working on if you don't know how to do it yet uh I would suggest I know I say this all the time, but like getting a journal, writing your thoughts out, starting to write poetry in your phone, like recording voice memos to yourself, just any way that you can figure out to like get your feelings out of you. I understand if you're traumatized, especially if you're like the people pleaser type, not even, you know, I was going to specify, but not even because even the most offensive people who are a little bit harsh and, and high conflict, like even they are blocked off by their emotions. Like the more avoidant you are, the harder it is. So it used to take me weeks to figure out how I felt. Like I would be in a fight with my partner at the time. I would say how I felt, you know, in the moment I would be like, yeah, yeah, this is how I'm feeling. And then three weeks later I would be thinking about it and be like, oh no, I kind of lied. Actually, this is how I feel (laughs) because my feelings were on that much of a delay because of my childhood, you know, because I was used to kind of disassociating in conflict and just pushing my feelings down and, and just wanting things to be smooth sailing again. Like that's all I wanted was just to keep the peace. And then I would have to go to the person and be like, actually, I thought about it some more and this is how I feel. And then it would lead to more conflict and more confusion. And, you know, someone being like, I thought this was settled and now it's not. And that makes me upset. And (laughs) so 
my solution was to start writing poetry and it really, really helped, uh, like minimize the gap between an event and my emotions around the event until eventually I won't say that it's instant. Like I won't say that I know instantly what I'm feeling, but it's minutes instead of weeks. And so I would highly recommend that like some kind of art form or self-expression or, just a a habit like writing in a journal or tracking your moods or just some way to like put into words what you're feeling. Another thing that is part of my self-love course is letter writing exercises. So like you, you draft a letter to someone who recently hurt you or made you upset or triggered some kind of response in you, you don't have to send it. It's really, truly, you don't have to communicate to them about it if you're not comfortable yet. It's really just a means of clarifying to yourself how you feel. When we're going through traumatic situations, especially in childhood, we're being modeled how to deal with them. And most of the time when you're enduring trauma, you can't process it emotionally. Like there's a disconnect that happens because you're disassociated in order to survive. And we carry that habit throughout our lives. And that's how addictions kind of happen because you become so not used to discomfort or like stress or or even heavy emotions. You know, you've just pushed them down so far that when they rear their ugly head, (laughs) you want to numb, like you want to distract, you want to do anything to avoid that feeling coming up. I heard, I've been watching this Andy Warhol documentary on Netflix and he was very like stoic, like he didn't really show his emotions and he was very closed off because of what he'd been through in his life. And at one point someone was like, you know, he was losing a relationship that he really, of a partner he really loved. And someone was like, you know, why don't you like open up to him? Why don't you show more affection to him? And he was like, if I showed one emotion, if I showed even one emotion, I would have a nervous breakdown. And that's what I always say about people. Like they think that if they feel one feel that they're just going to, it's going to consume them. Like they're just going to die of emotions because they're, because they feel so overpowering, but that's just because they're, you know, it's like a dam or like when you, when you bend a hose and the water backs up and then you, when you release it, it kind of water falls out. Like that's why it's just because you're pent up, but emotions are not bigger than you and feelings are temporary and they do burn out, you know, like you feel it for a little while, you might cry or you might be angry or you might need to take a nap, (laughs) but they will pass. All feelings pass. It's just a matter of sitting with them. And so don't be afraid (laughs) if you need help, like there are therapists, there are coaches, There are wise friends that everyone has. You know, there are people that you can talk things out with and it's okay to need help. It's okay to need a sounding board. It's okay to need to vent. But if you're not comfortable doing that out loud with someone else, or if you don't feel like you have someone you can trust, a journal is a perfect place to do that. Or like a voice note or a piece of art or a song. Like there's, (laughs) it doesn't have to be good writing a letter to someone is very helpful to me and it helps me kind of like rehearse when I do feel like I want to communicate. It helps me practice. You know, the first draft is usually super angry and then I edit it and then I edit it again and then I edit it again (laughs) and they're usually very verbose. And so I like make it shorter, get it clearer, and then I can finally have the conversation with clarity. You know, I know exactly how I'm feeling. I know what to take responsibility for. I know how to convey what I'm getting at in a way that's not confusing for the other person. That's not accusatory and that is productive. And I also give them time, you know, if they're like, got it, heard, I need a minute to think about it. Then I let that happen, you know, because that's part of it too, is you know, sometimes people want right now, right now, solve the problem (laughs) with me. I need it. I need it. I need it. I need the instant gratification. Otherwise I'm going to freak out. (laughs) Sometimes people need time and space and you have to be willing to give them that as well. Like that's giving everyone what they need, um, is part of mindful communication. 
just like realizing jealousy is a me problem and you can take responsibility for your own feelings of jealousy, whether that means asking for reassurance or just sitting with it and like letting it ride itself out. Um, you know, it is a thing that you can take responsibility for when we're triggered in the moment, you know, when you need a solution right away for a complicated situation, sometimes like that's our own feelings of insecurity, our own feelings of impatience, our own projections of like what is going on. (laughs) Those are things that we need to like sit with and process and that they don't have anything to do or like they are being triggered by the situation at hand, but like the solution to them isn't the external solution that we think it is. So like if I'm in a conflict, I've had people do this with me before, you know, they're in a conflict with me. They send me a really harsh, like shitty message. And I'll say like, Hey, I need a minute to like process this. I'll be back in touch soon. And then they get really mad. You know, they're like, I want to deal with this now. I want to talk about this now. And it's like, I'm not going to be able to like do this properly right now. Like I just need a little while to figure out how I'm feeling and to like process this and, and really take in what you're saying to me, you know, like I just, I need a second. And, uh, and all of that, like impatience to, to get to a solution really fast is that's some triggering happening. You know, that's some like fear of abandonment. That's, some. uh, yeah, like I was saying before, like some just wanting smooth sailing when we're in rocky waters. And sometimes a quick solution isn't the best solution. Sometimes uh sometimes mindfulness requires patience and slowness and like um walking with awareness. You know, we need a gentle <laughs> gentle steps. We need like quiet we need peace we need reflection and so yeah just allow everyone to breathe you know really take responsibility for your own feelings really try to communicate as clearly as possible if you find yourself getting agitated or triggered or feeling the need to give in like it's okay to stop and be like I need to take a break from this I'll come back in a few minutes when I feel more grounded. You know, it's just the same thing I've been getting at the last few weeks. Like it's just uh, a leaning into vulnerability, which creates intimacy, which can feel uncomfortable, but is also really beautiful. And that is where real love, real community and real connection lives is in that intimacy, in that vulnerability, in that honesty. And in the mindfulness or the conscious awareness, uh, the choice, the consent to bring it all together <laughs> of, of deciding, of choosing who to spend time with, who is safe to communicate with, who is able to come at these things with maturity and who isn't. If you'd like to check out all the things that I'm up to, you can go to my website, BrickCannon.me, where you find photos, videos, blog posts that go hand in hand with this podcast. And also there's some extra ones thrown in there. You can sign up for my self-love course. This is a course that I designed using the skills and tools that I've learned along my journey to help you cultivate and nurture a more loving and respectful relationship with yourself. We use journaling, we use self care rituals we use mirror work we use guided meditations and lots of other things including two tarot readings from me one at the beginning of the course and one at the end of the course to help you set an intention and and just clarify what it is that um the universe would like you to be working on at this moment so if you'd like to sign up for that you can do so on my services page where you can also book just a regular old private tarot reading or an astrology consultation or if you'd like to take the self-love course a step further and do a one-on-one mentorship with me that's available as well you can find links to my youtube pages walk on podcast which is just 20 or so ish minute 
YouTube summaries of these podcast episodes, but they're video in case someone is more visual than audio oriented. Um, and also my Brit Cannon YouTube page, which is my music and poetry. You can also find links to my music, my debut EP Mantra, which is a, this is what this, the theme song to this podcast, Walk On, is from. It's a lot of acapella pop songs and a full-length album by my good friend Lokomoko, who I was featured on his most recent album, Shiny Silver Snakes. You can check that out too. And that's that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for doing the work. Happy healing. Bye.